John chapter 20, guys. John chapter 20. We're going to go ahead and pick up on verse 19 through 29. John 20, 19 through 29. You guys ready? If you're there, say amen. If you have your Bible, amen. You know, once you turn 23, all of a sudden, all of a sudden. Beto, it's his birthday today. On the evening on that day, I'm sorry, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, do you guys remember what that day is? Sunday. It's not Monday as we know it. We studied, it last, we studied that last week. On the evening on that, of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were, where the, where the disciples were, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. I'm sorry, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Verse 24, now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. When he said to them, but he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put, your hand, and put out your hand. And place it on my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. There's a lot to uncover in here, but the gist of it is justice is being told. I usually, I, 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 when, when we go through a study, I like to find certain hidden gems, I guess you want to call them, right? There's some like we, we probably miss. And as I was reading this, the beauty of the simplicity of the gospel, it's right in front of us. The beauty of the simplicity of God revealing to us through the disciples who we are as people, it's right in front of us. And we're going to see that today, right? We, we talked about last week how the difference between Peter and John as they, as they ran to, to go a, 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 and see if Jesus was in the tomb. Remember, Jesus says, he, he, the, the angels tell him that he has, he has been risen from the dead. At the end of that, the Bible says that the disciples, Peter and John, went back to their homes. That was the end of it. As Mary Magdalene shows up, right, she sees Jesus, and Jesus tells them, go and tell them what the things that I showed you. Well, that I told you. And Mary Magdalene went and did that. 
In John chapter 20, verse 19 through 23, God is going to confirm to us what, 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 what we have been studying for the past few weeks about our hearts. How with our mouths we say one thing, and yet we know that in the, in, in the depth of our hearts, there's unbelief, there's doubt, there's fear. I used to look, when I, was, when I was you guys' age and I was learning how to play guitar, I was about 16, 17 years old when I was learning how to play guitar. And back in the days, we used to have services Sundays at 1 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And the worship band at that time was composed of a bunch of adults, older people, and I wanted to play. I really did. So what I did was I grabbed my guitar on Tuesday nights, and I would sit in the front row on the Tuesday after service and sit down and watch them practice. And I will see how Cirilo will play the guitar, and I will see how he, he strummed the guitar, and I will see the chord changes, and I will just focus on what he's doing. And as I was doing that, I saw how the worship men at that time used to get along. I was in my, I'm 16, 17 at the time, and I used to always envy them. Envy in a good way. I was like, man, like, I wish I could be like that. Man, you could tell that they never go through anything. I promise, they probably never even get mad. Like, in my mind, I'm thinking of them as this, like, oh, angels coming from heaven, and, and, and nothing, these people can never do anything bad. That was my heart. And dead serious, I'm like, man, I wish I could join the worship band so I don't have to fight and I don't have to get mad and I don't have to go through the things that I've gone through. But the reality, obviously, we know that that's not true, right? We know that we all have faults from the, from the very, from the person that, you know, from the maintenance guy to our, our pastors. And we all have things in our hearts where, like, we're not perfect and we'll be the first ones to call it out. When we hear of the disciples, we think of people that walk with Jesus. And, man, these guys will never mess up, right? These dudes were like, they were the top of the pyramid. And they're like, nobody could touch these dudes. And as we read about them, and if you guys know, and I'll, 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 I'll share this with you guys. If you guys read of every single big name that the Bible talks about, outside of two people in the Bible, two or three people, I believe, every single person that God uses in the Bible has a big mess up, like big, in our eyes, right, sin-wise. In other words, God shows us the imperfection of the people that he uses so that you and I wouldn't feel like, yeah, we, we're unqualified for it. We, technically, we are, right? It is God himself that qualifies us to be used by him. I was having a conversation with, with someone last week, and I said, you know, it's funny, God isn't waiting for us to mess up, to say, oh, Joel messed up, he can't teach Sunday. Oh, Joel messed up. He can't play guitar. It, man, Joel has so many mess-ups, I'm done. Like, you, strike three, you're out. God is not waiting for us to mess up to disqualify us. It is ourselves that we ourselves disqualify us from being used by the Lord. We disqualify ourselves from being used by the Lord. And that's something like, we look at it the opposite way, right? God is mad at me, so therefore he's not using me. No. I will go back to your life and see what is it in your life that you're doing that you haven't let go of, that God wants you to let go of so that he can use you in that area. He's waiting to use every single one of us. And we see that in the disciples, right? Jesus walked with the disciples for three years. 
He told them everything that was going to happen. He says, look, guys, they're going to take me. They're going to crucify me. And on the third day, I'm going to rise again. Do they believe? Apparently not. Because when it happens, they were all in doubt. We just read of Thomas, who had, who had been told the same exact thing. And yet he, had the, he has the boldness, which I admire, by the way. Like, I don't, as a person, I admire people that are transparent with what they're going through, with what is going on through their mind when it, when it comes to the doubts and the questions that we have. Instead of holding it in, assuming that, man, if I ask this question, it's going to be dumb, and I should know this. Like, trust me, I have millions of questions. And Thomas alone here proves to us that it's okay to have certain doubts. But as we have those doubts, we have to be able to give God the opportunity to reveal those things to us. Instead of, instead of being stuck in what we think and what we feel. Thomas straight out said, look, unless I see him, unless I touch his hands, unless I put my hand on his side, he literally says, I will never believe. That's a bold statement. But that's how honest John here is being with us as to like what exactly what was going on. So we pick it up in verse 19. You guys ready? I hope you guys are ready to take some notes. There's a couple of things I want to share with you guys. Verse 19 says, On the evening of that day, talking about Sunday, the first day of the week, the doors being locked, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. In the Greek context of things, the phrase that says the doors being shut or the doors being locked, it, it indicates that not only was they just closed it because, you know, it's what they do when you go inside the house, you lock the house. It wasn't just a natural instinct to lock the house. They did this out of fear. They were hiding. That's why you don't read of any other disciple outside of Peter and John being where Jesus was being crucified. Where are the other nine? We already know what uh, Judas is, but where were the other nine? Hiding. Since the authorities had executed their leader, had executed Jesus, they expected that they were going to come after them. It's so crazy how our assumptions of things are sometimes way off. In the book of Isaiah, the Bible tells us that our ways are not his ways, that our thoughts are not his thoughts. And yet, we could almost assure that the way we think things are going is exactly what's going to happen, right? Oh, man, like, if I raise my hands at church while I worship, like, I know for a fact they're going to make fun of me. Fun of me. Fan. Fun of me. Sorry, guys. I know for a fact some, someone's going to mention something. Oh, man, if I, if I start singing out loud, I, oh, my, somebody's going to hear me, and then they're going to start talking, and blah, 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 blah. And that's that, your assumption of things takes, takes you to another level. My wife and I are constantly having this conversation. Every time, like, I'm sick or the girls are sick, my wife swears they're going to die. I'm like, no, they just had a bad taco. I had a bad taco on Friday, guys. Oh. I, swear, I felt like I was going to die. But anyway, that's outside the point. My wife and I have this thing where, like, the worst thing is, and it, it, it's funny, it's like, I like to blame her for being the most, like, exaggerated one. But then, 
Like, I tend to do that too, right? Oh, man, no, I don't, I'm not going to burn myself. I'm going to burn her. So when it comes to, like, certain little things, for example, one time, I think it was Alana. Yeah, it was Alana. I don't know what they were doing in the room. She ran into the door, and she hit her toe on the side of the door. Now, that hurts. Now, I took some classes on, on um, first aid, so I kind of know what a broken toe looks like, right? Outside from being crooked, <laughs> like there's certain signs, right? It gets purple right away, right, Dr. Isaac? Thank you. It gets red or it gets, say, inflama rapidly, like it gets, it, it, it gets big right away. So then what I tend to do when somebody gets hit like that, I tend to wait, give it a few minutes, you know, see if it swells, it, it swells up, or then I know, like, okay, something's not right there. You know? My wife, no. Her toe's broken. She needs, to, she needs to get amputated or something. Like, it's always, like, the extreme with my wife. And I get it, right? She's a mom. And trust me, when you guys have kids, <laughs> like, any little fever is, like, the end of the world. Right? Now, I'm a tough man, so I handle things a little different. <laughs> no, I get freaked out, too. The whole point of, of, of what I'm saying here is, like, the fear of things of what our mind is telling us what's going to happen. We give in to those fears. And we could justify them. Nowhere in the Bible do we read that the, that, that the Jews or, the, or the, the priests were going after the disciples. So where in the world did the disciples assume that they were going to go after them? Right? I promise you, I looked. Even when it happened with Peter, they didn't say, hey, Peter, you need to be arrested because you were with Jesus. All they said was, hey, wasn't this guy with him? <laughs> and Peter went off. And Peter cursed. And Peter denied Jesus three times. All they did was ask the question. It's so crazy how even in the conversations with their friends... And you know your friends are talking about stuff that you're like, uh, that you disagree with. That you know, like, man, this, uh, you guys are so dumb. Like, you guys don't know the truth. Like, in your mind, you're having, and all of a sudden, you're like, wait a minute. The, don't you go to church? What do you think? And you're like, wait, 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 wait. I'm not in this. And you avoid those conversations, and then you're, you want nothing to do with it because, I don't know, you're, you're fearful what they might think of you if you disagree with them. If we trust in the Lord, if we believe what the Lord has been telling us from the very beginning, then we know that our faith and our hope is in what Jesus says. It's not in what you think. The problem becomes is when you're dependent on what you believe and what you think to be true. I promise you, if you hold on to the word of God, if you hold on to the very truth of God and you stand by it and you say, this is what the Bible says and I believe this to be true, you're not going to go wrong with it. I hear this a lot, guys, when it comes to, like, dating and people that are not, they don't believe the same thing with you, that, that, that you do. The Bible says, do not be unequally yoked. You know what I've heard? Well, what if the Lord uses me to change that person into, like, a good Christian guy or a good Christian girl? Like, I believe in that. I believe in miracles, right? And that's your excuse. And you justify it. And you marry the guy, you marry the girl that you, you, you know, well, we, don't, we don't believe the same thing. I mean, he's, he's a Muslim and I'm a Christian, but we all kind of believe the same thing. And all of a sudden, you find yourself justifying the very thing that the Bible told you not to do. Who do you think is going to win? 
You or the Bible? They were afraid. They were hiding. In their minds, they assumed that something was going to happen to them because they were Christians. They were followers, they were followers of Jesus. Second part in verse 19, Jesus says to them, Peace be with you. Why would you think Jesus tell the disciples, Peace be with you? They were freaking out. They were afraid. They were afraid that somebody was going to take them. What does that show us? That even in the midst of our disobedience, in the midst of our fears, God is what? God is faithful. God is there with us. This greeting that Jesus gives them is is complemented by his work. He backed this up. Um, It complements his phrase by saying, it is finished. In other words, this. This is why I, I was reading this and like it blew my mind away. Think, think about this, right? We're all in the room. We're all freaking out. Man, they got Jesus. Most likely they're going to come after us. All of a sudden, Jesus appears in the midst of the room and says, Guys, peace be with you. In other words, at this point, this is the first time he appears to his disciples. By doing this, Jesus is putting the stamp of approval to everything he told the disciples was going to happen. Does that make sense? By doing this, Jesus is now telling his disciples, look, guys, I told you I was going to rise again, and I'm here. Am I? It is finished. It has been completed. What I told you what I was going to do, it has been done. Chill. There shouldn't be any doubt anymore. They shouldn't be. I am proving you that everything I told you up to this point is true, right? Therefore, let my peace be with you. Go to Romans chapter 5, verse 1. This is the the things that we as Christians need to hold on to when, when, when we're going through it. Oh, man, what, what if I'm not, what, what, I'm not, dude, I mess up. Dude, I'm, I'm, I'm this, and I can't, and me, and me, and me, and all of a sudden, God is all of a sudden, like, you left God out the door. Romans 5.1 says, therefore, since we, as Christians, have been justified by faith, we have what? Peace with God. Through who? Our Lord Jesus Christ. He's telling his disciple, peace be with you. You've been justified. I got you. I completed my task. Therefore, have my peace with you. Go to Ephesians 2, chapter 2, verse 14 through 17. I hope, again, I hope you're writing this verses right next to verse 19. If, you know, again, this will be good. Like, whenever you go back home and study, if you study, that you relate these verses to this, uh, to chapter, uh, verse 19. Ephesians 2, 14 through 17. Are you guys there? It says, for he himself is what? Our peace, talking about who? Jesus, who was made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility 
by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. Ordinances. Ordinance. Thank you. That he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. So making peace and might reconcile, might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. God wants us to be at peace. Remember last week we studied this. There's nothing you and I could do to add, what God, to add to what God has already done for us. There's nothing you and, you and I could do to add to his love. There's nothing you and, you and I could do to add to his mercies, to his grace. It has all been completed. Verse 20, John 20, 20. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus at this point is, has proved that he who appeared to them was the same one who was crucified. You know, some, some people, some Christians actually do believe that this wasn't Jesus himself, which is like a spirit of God, like a ghost. By Jesus doing this, he's actually proven that the same Jesus that was crucified is the same one that was in that room. Verse 21, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. Now, I want you guys to highlight this, please. With pencil, whatever, put a little star right next to it. Because here it comes. This is where it gets, this is where it gets personal, right? Because as Christians, there's a call to every single one of us. We all have the same calling in this sense. Now, we all have different ways of performing it, right? Through some, uh, the teaching of the word, some through worship, some through ushering, some through maintenance. We all have ways of, of doing what, what we're called to do. And it's right here in verse 21. Ready? Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, talking about Jesus, even so I am sending you. What does that mean? This is what we call, what we Christians call the Great Commission. This is our greatest command, one of our greatest commandments to do. Go to Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. And this is what that means. Matthew 28, verse 19 through 20. Oh, Joel, as a Christian, what am I supposed to do? Here it goes. You want the answer to life? You want the secret to life? You want the secret to serve in the Lord? Here it is. Matthew 28, verse 19 through 20. Ready? Yeah. It's all about you, Beto. It's all about you. Yeah, whenever Beto's ready, we're ready. Amen. Amen. And Lisa, too. Matthew 28, 19 says this. Go. This is a call to us as Christians. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them. Oh, to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Hmm. 
You mean I got to tell people about Jesus? Yep. You mean I got to I got to teach them the word of God? Yep. You mean I can't stay home and like watch this online? <laughs> no, you can't. I mean you can't technically. But like we have a commitment, guys. We have a calling. We have a calling. I, what I said earlier about, what did I say here? Oh, man, I'm going nuts. I don't know if I said it here or if I said it in the worship band devotional. As a church, throughout the 14 years that we've been alive as a church, one thing has been very consistent from the very beginning, and that has always been the teaching of the Word of God. Every person that has stood up here to teach has never been one of those like, I feel like telling you guys that you guys are all beautiful inside. I mean, I don't have the Bible verse to prove it, but I'm sure you're, you know, it's never been like that. It's always been like, guys, the Word of God says this, it says that. The, word, the teaching of the Word of God has been consistent, in other words. So, for anybody that leaves the church, and they're like, oh, you know, I left because I don't get fed. Like, pastor said it today, by the way, in the Spanish service. I don't know if you guys caught that. You know, it's like you can lead a horse to the water, but you can't force them to drink it, right? We can teach you guys the word of God, but we can't force you guys to be obedient to it. We can't force you guys to be like, this is, no, you, you do it, but the word of God is the same. The word of God has been the same yesterday, today, and forever. But one thing I've noticed, and and. It's all glory to God. But people, some people that left the church, they miss something. And I honestly believe it, 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 they miss the, the teaching of the word. There's a lot of churches out there, guys. I promise you, 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 you flip a coin, or you, like if you close your eyes and you start spinning around and you point one direction, you're going to find a church whatever the direction your finger points at the end. You will find one. See, the issue here is not about filling up the seats, right? It's not about the number of the people within the church. It's about us being obedient to the calling that God has given us. And if as a church, and if me as a teacher, I'm doing what I'm supposed to, and it says here, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, right? We're teaching you guys the word of God. We have the... It says, the next verse is baptizing them. Guess what? I did my first baptism not so long ago. Manny. He was my first victim. Like, <laughs> sounds bad. Huh? Not a victim, but I was, dude, I was so honored the fact that he will ask me to baptize him. So now we're being obedient to the word, right? Baptizing them in the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, Manny is my witness. I promise you, when I baptized him, I said, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So he knows that. Now, it was probably way too cold for us to remember what I said, but I'm sure I said those three things. You can test that? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Nathan was there too. Verse 20, listen to this. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Now, I have my faults. My English is messed up. Call it whatever you want. But you can never sit over here and say, well, you know what? I've never been taught the commandments of the Lord. Oh. We've been taught that in this church. 
God has been so faithful to us when it comes to the teaching of his word that you and I do not have an excuse to say, well, see, I didn't know that. Well, now you do. That's why it is very important for you guys to, like, to take notes, to write stuff down so you go back and be like, man, I remember when I was taught this. And the most important part in Matthew 28, verse 20, the second part, this is why this church, as a church, God has been faithful to us. Because we believe this part above all else. It says, and behold, I am with you always. Now, once has the Lord, he, he's never left us alone. Never. And some of you guys know what I'm talking about, the things that this, as a church, what we've gone through, and we've never, you know this, we've never felt alone. Guys, this is the great commission. This is our great commandment. Let's be obedient to it. Verse 22, it says, when he has said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Up to this point, we know the Holy Spirit hadn't come upon them. And we know by records, by the way, and this is, this is something that could be debatable, and I'm not going to debate this with you. Uh, I tend to believe that at this, moment, at this moment on, because Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit in them, Jesus gave them the Holy Spirit. I believe this is the first time the Holy Spirit came upon them, inside of them, but it hadn't it hadn't revealed itself. Does that make sense? Now, the Holy Spirit has different ways of, 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 of revealing itself, right? Sometimes it's, it's it, 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 you can't even, ex- I, I, I remember the first time I was filled with the Holy Spirit, I ended up, you guys know me, I don't like hugging. I really don't, especially if you're a stranger. I remember the first time the Holy Spirit came upon me, like I was worshiping the Lord. It was at a high school retreat, but yeah. It was on my senior year. It's like I was on my way out of never going back to the high school retreat. So that was my last high school retreat. And I remember like going to this, says, God, I want you to speak to me. And I remember the, that day the pastor's talking about asking the, God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. I says, I want to experience that. I was 18. And I remember like I'm worshiping. I'm lifting my hands up. Next thing you know, I'm hugging, the, I'm hugging this dude next to me. And I'm like, what is my hand doing? Like, what am I doing? Like, what is happening? Next thing you know, I'm on my knees and I'm bawling and I'm crying. And I'm saying, Lord, here I am. I, I can't explain to you that, that moment I, as much as I can only describe it. So this is the first time that, that the Holy Spirit comes inside of his disciples. And again, we know that by records, the first time the Holy Spirit expresses, expresses itself out or, 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 or comes out in a way where like people could see that they were filled with the Spirit is in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8, and Acts, and I, please write this down. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 and 3. The Bible says the Holy Spirit came upon them on the day of Pentecost, and they were speaking in tongues. So that was the first time the Holy Spirit came, and again, it revealed itself in an outward, in an outward uh, uh, way to where people can now see that they were filled with the Spirit. But I love verse 23. Listen to this because I think we... 99.9999% of us are going to be able to relate to this. This is not my saying. This is what Jesus himself said. It's not even John saying this. It is Jesus himself. John 20, verse 23. You guys ready? Highlight this in your Bible. Guys. If you forgive sins of any, 
they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now, this verse doesn't tell us that we have the authority to forgive sins. This verse is revealing to us that through the Holy Spirit, we have a way to show forgiveness to people. I've been struggling with this for years, 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 years. And it's a hard thing to do because my number one desire, my number one goal, what's in my heart is to always do everything that pleases the Lord. But somehow selfish Joel gets in the way. Somehow emotional Joel gets in the way and I want to do what makes me feel good at that moment. This is not giving us the authority to, to forgive people's sins. It is giving us the, the, boldy, the bold, boldness, thank you, of, of being able to show Jesus through forgiveness. Does that make sense? Somebody does something wrong to you, right? Jesus said in the book of, I know it's in Matthew. I don't know if you know what this verse is at. Just know that it's this. They came to Jesus and says, what, how, how should we forgive? And Jesus says, well, if they slap you on one side of the face, because they fight back, give the other cheek. If they ask you to walk one mile, walk two. Wait, what? That's, that's the dumbest thing I heard. I was talking earlier with some of you guys about like throwing it down. Like if somebody was to like fight, like, would you actually fight? And our instinct is like, yeah, I'll throw it down. I'll punch people. Like, if, some, if you come at me and you punch me, I'm not just going to stand there and be like, oh, here. Like, my reaction is going to be what? Fight back. Hold my hoops. I'm about to fight. Right? That's what my reaction would be. We asked, I asked one of the hermanas, one of the older ladies from church, because I'm like, you know, let, let's, let's, be, let's be biblical about this. And I asked, hermana? What would you do? He says, look, I will fight, but I wouldn't punch them. And I was like, wait, what? How does that make sense? He says, just do everything possible to restrain that person, make sure that you don't hit them. <laughs> what, you're going to start wrestling or what? Like, you know what I mean? In my mind, I was like, anyway, the whole point of this, we should always have the desire to present Jesus in every single situation in our lives, even in the midst of fights. You don't want joy. You're an idiot. You're this. You're that. God bless you, dude. God bless you. Nah, you're dumb. I was like, you know what, dude? Jesus loves you. I don't, but Jesus loves you. Just kidding. Don't do that. Like, right? We should always represent Jesus in everything that we do. Always. You and I are representatives of Jesus Christ himself. So therefore, if we are representing Jesus, it is our job to bring him to a place of repentance. To show forgiveness. Not to forgive their sins, but to show forgiveness. And we could boldly declare this 
because of what Jesus is dead, not what you and I can do. The first thing that we hear when you invite people to church is like, nah, there's a bunch of hypocrites in there. Why am I going to go? Because you're a hypocrite too. I mean, I don't tell them that. But in, my, in my mind, I'm like, hey. This verse is telling us that we have to represent that through Jesus Christ, through his Holy Spirit, we have the boldness to present true forgiveness to people. We have that power, guys. Let's not put us first in the midst of anything that we're, that's happening in our lives. Let's put Jesus first. Our goal is not to get payback. Our job is to bring those people to repentance so that when they die, they can go to heaven. No, but we like to get our way. We, we, I want to get minds in. Just let me, let me see what I want to say. Let me do what I want to do. And then have the Lord handle it. Like, no, you, you and I are called to handle that. Do you guys mind staying 10 minutes extra, or do you guys have to go home? Thanks, Beto. Again, this is not all about you. Everybody raise your hand if you guys don't mind 10 minutes. I promise you we're going to be done with this. 10 minutes, everybody's good? Thank you, guys. I promise you I won't take long. 10 minutes. I promise you I'm only going to take 10 minutes. You guys ready? Verse 24 and 25 says, Now Thomas, one of the 12, called the twin, was not with him when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. Now the disciples have now the boldness, right? It didn't happen before, but now it's happening. Now they're excited. Now they've been filled with the Spirit. And now they're saying, guess what, Thomas? We've seen the Lord. Everything he told us is true. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger on the mark of the nails and place my hand on his, into his side, I will never believe Man, that sounds so familiar, right? Right? Like, don't we do that? At this time, Thomas has already been portrayed as a loyal but pessimistic. Jesus did not rebuke Thomas. Listen to this. Jesus did not rebuke Thomas for his failure to believe. Oh, I love that about Jesus, man. But instead, listen to this. Please write this down. But instead, with compassion, he offered proof to him. Isn't that amazing? In compassion, Jesus comes and shows the proof to Thomas. Man, like, you and I don't deserve what the Lord gives us. Verse 26, it says, eight days later, a week later, his disciples were again inside. Notice that this time the Bible doesn't talk about the doors being locked. I mean, it does, I'm sorry. But this time the Bible doesn't talk about them being afraid of the Jews. See, now the tone is a little different, right? Now they're filled with, this, now they, now they're filled with the Spirit. Now they know that everything that they've been taught about Jesus is now coming true. It says, although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Why would they say this? 
Because now Thomas is in the room. Now Thomas is a little, wait a minute. Is this happening? And right away, Jesus puts all his attention on Thomas. The one disciple that is having a hard time believing him. Does this sound familiar? About the shepherd and the hundred sheep? That if he loses one, he will leave the 99 to go and handle the one that got lost? You want to know how you and I are different with Jesus? We focus on the 99 because the one that left, I don't care about it. Right? How many of you guys have prayed for people that have been sitting next to us and no longer are here with us? How many of us have ever taken the time to pray for them? Thank you, Alex. Right? There's someone was that. Who? Who was that? It was brought to my attention last week of someone was talking to one of their manas and she goes, oh yeah, I was hanging out with so-and-so. You know them. And I said, who? They, they used to go to the English service with you. And I'm like, I felt so embarrassed because I had no idea who she was talking about. And she straight up said, see me home? You need to pay attention. I was like, Ugh. Jesus put his attention on Thomas and look what he tells him. Verse 27 says, put your finger here. And see my hands. So it's no longer, hey, just look at me, right? He told his disciples that the week before, it says, he just showed him his hands and he showed him his size. He's asking Thomas to now put his finger in his hands and put his hand on his sides to actually feel him, his physical body. And I love the encouragement that he gives and says in verse 27, again, let's read it. It says, then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. And put out your hand and place it on my side. And the encouragement here is to what? To not disbelieve. But what? Believe. No matter what it is that we're going through, no matter how hard things get, no matter how painful it might be, the encouragement is not to disbelieve, but to hold on to it, to commit to, commit to everything that we've been taught to do. Think about that for a second. Now, I was never in the Army or Marines or any of that stuff, but I know some, some people that have. They train you a certain way so that when the fight begins, you automatically know exactly what to do. That you're not guessing, oh, I wonder what I will have to do next. In sports, yeah, you guys know basketball. You guys know, if you play sports, you know exactly what I'm about to tell you. The repetition of the shots from the same spot. I was watching some of the highlights, not the highlights, but the pregame, and you would see the basketball players shoot from the same place time after time. There's some players, I think it's Curry, that shoots over 300 shots per before game or during practice, whatever, and he tries to make all of them from the same spot. Found out later the reason they do that is because muscle memory. So, and during the ball game, whenever they get to that one specific spot, their muscle memory gets them to do, to, to shoot the ball the way they practice over 300 times. If we were to apply that to our spiritual walk, Man, I know what it is to have peace. I know what it is to seek the Lord. I know what it is to find my refuge in the Lord because it's been taught to me and it's constantly running in my head. No. What happens? We tend to forget. 
we tend to run away, we tend to ignore, we tend to let our emotions get the best of us. All of a sudden, everything that we've been taught has gone down the drain. What's also important too, listen to the response of Thomas in verse 28. This is when you know there's true belief in people. Thomas answered saying, my Lord, and what? My God. With these words, Thomas has declared himself to fully believe in the resurrection and in who Jesus is. Let me, let me repeat that. This is the part, this is the, one, this is the one verse that blew my mind. You know the secret gem that I tell you guys that I like to find it? This was it for me. His declaration as to who Jesus is, Jesus is my Lord, right? And he's not just my Lord, but he's also God. He's saying, Jesus, my Lord, and what? My God. By doing this, Thomas is declaring and the full belief in who Jesus is. Titus 2.13 says, Waiting for our blessed hope, that appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, who? Jesus Christ. This is the greatest confession that a person could ever make. That not, only, that not only Jesus is Lord, but he's also God. Verse 29 says, Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Have you committed because you've actually seen this? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. I want to close. If you guys, I didn't give this to, um, to Juan to put up there. But I want, you guys to, I want us to continue to read this because there's only one verse after that. So I want us to stand up. And we're going to read this together. John 20, verse 30. I didn't put this up there because I didn't want you guys to pay attention to the board. Throughout the whole book of John, I've been telling you guys that John skips on a lot of details because he wants the emphasis to be on what? On what Jesus has done and who he is. And if you think that was just my saying, your mind's about to be blown away. Let's all read it together. Verse 30 says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of, his, of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. These things have been written so that you may believe, so that you may commit to who Jesus is. Isn't that beautiful? Man, I find, I find this to be so awesome, guys. And the simplicity is just to put our emphasis and our eyes on Jesus. It's not on anything else. It's not on the size of the stage. It's not on the size of the band. It's not, it's not in the colors. It's not, it's not in anything else but who? Jesus. These things have been written so that we may believe that there's eternal life in Jesus. That's how much God loves you guys. That's how much God loves me. 
And that's how he ends verse 20, by reminding us of this. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we thank you so much, Lord, for who you are and the things that you do. I, uh, every, every week, Lord, every day, many of us just thank you for who you are. But somehow, Lord, we, we come short of showing you how thankful we are because we're constantly being disobedient to you, God. We're constantly putting us first instead of you. We're, we're constantly thinking of us instead of thinking on the things that you command us to do. I pray, Lord, that as we command and as we believe in the things that were written for us, Lord, through your word, that we may be obedient to the great calling, to the great commission, to go and make disciples of others, to go and teach others, to go, Lord, and baptize in your name. This job is not just for missionaries. This calling is for every single one of us, God. Give us the boldness that we need. Give us the, give us the strength that we need, Lord. Give, surround us by people, Lord. May you place us in a situation where we have no choice but to share your word with others, God. That might be with family. That might be with friends, with neighbors. Father, but we want to be obedient. Fill us with your spirit, Lord, and guide us. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.